Welcome to The Wall of Soundtrack, a show where we discuss the music and soundtracks behind the very best TV shows and motion pictures. In this episode, we'll be analyzing and dissecting the music and soundtrack behind Mike Marvin's 1986 action thriller, The Wraith. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Orange Line Condo. If you're in the market for a condo in the DC metro area, you have to go with Orange Line Condo. Realtor Sean Battle has over 15 years of selling properties and is licensed in both the DC and Virginia area with Century 21 Redwood Realty. Sean has also been a top producer with the National Association of Realtors annually since 2005 and has been awarded yearly Century 21's Top Agent Awards for sales and quality service. Sean is also not only a good friend of mine, but he is a great guy and a realtor that is in your corner. If you are in the market for real estate, don't hesitate. Call Sean Battle now and get your dream home. For more information and to schedule an initial consultation, visit www.orangelinecondo.com or call 703-999-8108. That's 703-999-8108. The Wraith is an action thriller film that was written and directed by Michael Marvin and released in 1986. The story takes place in the town of Brooks, Arizona, where a young teen returns from the dead as a powerful street racer to seek revenge on the gang that murdered him. The film also had a cast of upcoming stars, including Charlie Sheen, who plays Jake Kesey, Sherilyn Fenn, who plays Carrie Johnson, Randy Quaid, who plays Sheriff Loomis, Ron Howard's brother, Clint Howard, who plays Rughead, and Nick Cassavetes, who plays Packard Walsh. My returning guest for this discussion is Cy Shackleford. Cy is a writer for the entertainment commentary and review website, Actionagogo. You can follow his articles on the website, www.actionagogo.com. And you can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Shack underscore house 83. Cy and I had a blast doing this episode and really enjoyed talking about this cult classic film. Here's my discussion with Cy on the music and soundtrack behind the 1986 action thriller, The Wraith. All right, Cy, nice to see you again. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me, Andrew. I want to just say congratulations to the Patriots for winning the Super Bowl again. Six-time Super Bowl champions. I told you, told you, Tom Brady is Thanos now. I've been saying that from the beginning of the season. Do you think Gronk is going to retire, or do you think he's going to come back next season? He's going to be back next season, but personally, I think he should retire. I mean, he doesn't touch none of his NFL money. He's gotten rich off of his endorsements, pretty much, and he hasn't pissed anybody off either. So if he were to retire now, I would not be mad. I would completely understand. He's like dating an Instagram model, isn't he, or something? Or? She looks like one. But then again, aren't they all Instagram models these days? Look at Cardi B. Yeah, seriously. And then, uh, of course, you know, Robert Kraft and his shenanigans. Yeah, he was. Uh, it's a good segue we made from Cardi B to Bob Kraft because she was on stage dancing with Kraft or Kraft jumped on stage dancing with her at the pre-Super Bowl concert. Oh, jeez. And Kraft. If he is guilty, it's like, why? You got that hot girlfriend you got already, and you're a billionaire. You need to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, I still don't understand that about, uh, like, he's super wealthy. What does he need to be doing that, getting involved in that? He does does not need to at all. Personally, I hope he's innocent, but they say they got a video camera, a videotape of it. For now, I'm just going to keep on saying it's doctored footage. (laughs) But no matter what happens to him, really, it doesn't affect the team as a whole. 
Yeah. I don't think I don't think much is going to come from it because I mean he's a fine maybe or maybe Roger Goodell because he's had it in for the Patriots from Jump Street. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll probably get a fine or maybe like you know, I don't even think he'll get legitimate jail time at all. I mean, no, I don't think so neither. Unless they make it a Rico prosecution. <laughs> yeah, and, and if it's if it's that if it's that bad, then you know he he's he's in for some 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 dire straits. Yeah, he ain't even the biggest name on the list though. I heard. I mean, I looked at the list. I'm like, who is bigger on here than Kraft? Kraft is the only name I recognize. Yep, must be a big string, but you know, time will tell, and we'll see what happens. But what's new with Action A Go Go? Oh, um, what we're doing? We're celebrating Black History Month. Uh, I got a piece coming out where I go through my top ten favorite black exploitation films. And a few week a week ago, I released a review on a film, a very indie film called uh, Driving While Black. Okay. Yeah, it's done by a comedian named Dominique. Uh, I forget his last name. It was pretty low budget though, but it was makes it. It's like Friday, but it's about white cops always pulling over the cop, pulling over the pulling over black or Hispanics. It's very comedic. Okay. Yeah, and then then you have Spike Lee's film, Black Klansman. Yeah, which is nominated for best director. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the first time Spike Lee has gotten a best director Oscar nod, or has it been for Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X as well? I, I think so, but I'm really surprised. I thought he would have won for Malcolm X because I thought that film was just phenomenal. It was good. It was good. Nobody can do a Malcolm X biopic again after that. Yeah, and and I mean, we we went over Ali, and then Mal, you know, um, Mario Van Peebles. I think he did he did a pretty good job, but Denzel. I mean, you, Denzel just brings his A game. Denzel can act, no doubt, but Peebles he looked more the part of Malcolm X. Really, he had that light complexion and the redness in his in his hair. Yeah, a little bit too. Yeah. But um, yeah, well, well, maybe you know, maybe Spike Lee c- comes away with the win on this. Maybe I mean they've been they've been really friendly to a lot of films this year that I wouldn't even think would get Oscar nods like Black Panther that's up for Best Picture among other awards. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, that's another one as well too. Although Rami Malek he did a great job as Freddie Mercury. I always remember him from the Pacific, that HBO series. It's kind of like Band of Brothers. Uh, Tom Hanks was the producer for it, and Steven Spielberg. I remember. But, it. Um, yeah, and he's in that. He's got a small part um, in that, but he did a. He plays kind of a kind of a psycho. Like um, he has that look about him, just like that's made him perfect for Mr. Robot. Yeah, and I've never seen that show, but I'd like—I definitely want to see that that show as well because I heard it's pretty good. You might, as a computer guy, I think you might enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think of like like new movies that are coming out. I mean, I don't. There's one I think I believe it's like Rocket Man with that? Elton John biopic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Edward, Eddie Rainman, Redmayne, the guy who played Stephen Hawking. I think he's going to play Elton John. Okay. Yeah, it looks good. I'm going to go see that. I'm an Elton John fan. What else? The Lego movie came out last two. The Lego movie sequel part two came out two weeks ago. And what else is coming out? The um, Us. Jordan Peele, the the writer and director of Get Out. This is his second feature film he's coming out with Us, where it has that uh, I got five on it. That creepy rendition of that in the trailer. It's another one of his horror, horror racial satire films. Did you get a chance to see Green Book at all? No, I did not. I saw parts of it. Scenes of it on the internet, but I not see the whole thing. My mother keeps asking me if I've seen Green Book too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Marshala Ali, man, he is just yeah. Marshala Ali, he, he's, he's a good he's, actor. He's on a roll, man. I mean, he's just like he's doing all these great movies and then doing True Detective. Yeah, and speaking of which, it was Marshala. He convinced Nick Pizzolatto 
to make the lead character a black character on there and and have some kind of racial undertones in it as well too and it's and it's an interesting story because it takes it takes place in the Ozarks yeah and um, northwest arkansas yeah so you get that kind of creepiness like in from the first season where you're you're in louisiana but this is like kind of a different backdrop different it's, geography it's like mountainous instead of being like you know the low swamp. country yeah like the low country but still the south though yeah yeah and um both of them are vietnam veterans which i think was pretty prevalent during those times right like a lot of like vietnam veterans were like became police officers in law enforcement yeah yeah i thought that was cool and he was like he was alert long range reconnaissance patrol yeah where he'd be deep in enemy territory by himself for a long time yeah and then i guess that's i mean you, you saw those skills he actually with using those skills he found the the uh the boy the, yeah just pretty crazy um I st- i'm still not through it entirely yet you said you were in episode six i won't give you any spoilers yeah yeah but um i mean what are your thoughts so far about it like i love it i love it i mean season one that still reigns supreme in season two, good in his own right, but season three is better than season two. Yeah, the acting is better, and the plot. It, it. I think Nick Pizzolatto he really went back to the season one's Southern Gothic feel because he's from Louisiana, which played a big part in season one's geography. And season three is in Arkansas, and he went to school at the University of Arkansas, so it was another. It's also familiar territory for him as well. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so but the acting has been good. Uh, Mahershala Ali, Stephen Dorff, who I didn't even know was still alive. Uh, yeah, I remember him from like Blade. I remember him from Blade and Judgment Night from '93. And Carmen Hogo, uh, who plays uh, Mahershala's wife. Yeah, she's criminally underrated. Yeah, she's she's really she's really good looking as well too. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is very good looking. Um, I last film I remember Stephen Dorff actually being in was uh, Public Enemies. Oh, yeah, with a Christian Bale, and yeah, I remember that. I was going to say, as a callback to another podcast we did earlier, um, Carmen Hogo, she used to be married to Jeffrey Wright, who played, uh, what's his name, Howard Bingham in, in uh Yeah, the photographer. Mm-hmm. The photographer, yeah. And he, he's, a, uh, he's a great actor as well. He's a chameleon. When I first saw him in what's it called, Shaft, when I was in high school, I went to the theater to see that, and he played the Dominican drug lord, Peoples Hernandez. And then I see the credits, and like, Jeffrey Wright, that dude's... He's Anglo, or or what is he? Then I learned he's a, he's a, he was black, but I'm like he played the hell out of that Dominican role. He had me believing he was Dominican. I believe he was also in like um, Syriana as well. He was in that um, boycott where he played Martin Luther King, and where he met his wife Carmen Hogo, who's played Coretta Scott King twice already in Selma and Boycott. Oh wow, jeez, that's uh, yeah, that she's um, seems like she's getting a lot of great roles too, and. And, um, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, how to, they um, they kind of end the third season. But what I like is that they're kind of going back to the formula from the first season. And they don't have as many actors. Like, there's too many – there were too many characters, I feel like, in the second season. And it just got so complex, the storyline. I mean, in season two, it did get complex. And the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, I really don't get it at all. Even by the end, it's like, I really don't get this at all. I mean, we found who the killer was, but – that doesn't mean anything compared to what they later showed in that season finale. But when I watched it a second time, it made sense all the way through. I was able to process who the characters were, where they fit in. But you're right, Andrew. Season 3 does take season 1's narrative format with the three different time periods. And they did a hell of a makeup job on Mahershala when he's an older man by 2015. Yeah. 
And, and I mean, there's still a lot of, I feel like watching it, there's a lot of mystery, even, you know, you know me being on the fourth or you said sixth, sixth. episode, um, excuse me, the, you just, the plot still isn't, you know, unfolded fully yet. I mean, you feel like there's just still more there. Got to catch up. Got to yeah. catch up. You got, two, <laughs> you got one more episode that's available and the, and the final one will be tomorrow night. Wow. Yeah. So definitely uh, check out True Detective, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Check out True Detective. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> so uh, what else um, What else is going on with Action to Go-Go? Oh, we're doing um, – the other thing we're doing after Black History Month is we might do like a spy issue. We've already gone physical with the magazines. And the one issue that we did before was um, Women in Action where we go off on different um, – Different areas where women are prevalent in action or have made an impact, be it in action films, TV, comic books, or even behind the scenes as writers and directors and whatnot, like Catherine Bigelow did for The Hurt Locker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's uh, she's done some really great films. Like she did like Point Break, right? Point Break. Yeah. And that's, that's that, that was the only Point Break people need to see. Not that remake nonsense. Yeah. And then she did Zero Dark Thirty. And a Near Dark vampire movie from the late 80s. Okay. Yeah. 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 And – um. Yeah, we're doing a spy issue next. We're doing like espionage. That's our theme. Okay. Uh, my thing is, I think I'll be comparing all five of the Bourne movies. Right. Originally, I was going to do um, why Jason Bourne is a more believable spy than James Bond. But I think the, the, the editor-in-chief of this, he thought that would piss too many of our readers off. What did you think of uh, the, you know, Skyfall? Did you see that movie and like Spectre? Mm-mm, I didn't see Skyfall. Okay. In fact, I have there's a lot of James Bond movies I haven't seen post um post Die Another Day. Okay. Yeah, I really liked I liked Skyfall. Javier Bardem's in it. Yeah. Um he does a phenomenal job. He's a good actor. And um, you know, Spectre with um what's his name? The guy from Inglorious Bastards. Uh, Christoph Chris- Waltz. Yeah, Christoph Waltz. Yeah, he's in it and that looks incredible too. I, I really like how um the director from American Beauty, what's his name? Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. He's put his own, like, kind of stamp on the James Bond movies, you know. How many has he directed? He's done two. So he did Skyfall. Skyfall. Actually, I think, yeah, correct me if I'm, I'm probably wrong on this, but I think he did Skyfall and Spectre, and he may have done the movie before Skyfall. I'm not sure, though. The Quantum of Solace? Yeah. Yeah, I think the that one was with um, so the, the quantum, quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre, I think, are the new movies with with Craig, Craig. with yeah. Daniel Craig. But I don't think he's. I, I've heard rumors he's not going to be part of the franchise anymore. I heard that too. Yeah, I heard. I heard they were looking for looking for Idris Elba tapping him for the role. Of course, a lot of a lot of people are against that because he's black. But I'm like, no. First of all, James Bond is just a name. That's all. Yeah. That's why there have been so many bonds over different guys being Bond over the years. That's how they they explain it within the story. Yeah. yeah. James Bond is an identity. Anybody could be him. Any British super soldier spy could be him, no matter what color. Yeah. And I think it would be an interesting spin, you know, mm-hmm. just going a different way. Like, I feel like all of the Bond movies kind of do that in little different ways, like with different directors and different game actors for James Bond. But right. I think this would be a different direction. And I, I, I would like it because Idris Elba is like a phenomenal He's fun actor. To, He's fun to watch. Stringer Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he that show... Yeah, I mean, he was just part of one of the most epic, the great, greatest TV show ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, well, let's jump into the Wraith here. All right. So this movie was released, I believe, in November of 1986. That's right. Uh, directed by Michael Marvin, had some pretty, 
pretty upcoming, like, you know, famous actors like Charlie Sheen, um, you know, uh, Randy Quaid, obviously, for more comedy and sci-fi movies like, um, what is it, the uh, Independence Day he was in. And a National Lampoon's movie, especially Christmas <clears throat> Vacation, Cousin Eddie. Yeah, Days of Thunder, that's another one I think he's in. Yeah, he was in which, that. Which I liked. Um, but yeah, man, this movie is, uh, you know, as you would say, a cult classic. I mean... Yeah, I got into it when I was a kid, really. The woman that used to babysit me, her grandson and I were babysat together. We were friends, and he was heavy into action films. So one day, we saw it on HBO when we were being babysat, and I'm like, I'm like, this is so cool. He explained the plot to me, and then I started just reenacting it on my spare time with the, with the few Hot Wheels, Hot Wheel cars that I had, like which resembled... I used the ones that mostly resembled the cars that we see in the movie, and it became like a... An attention grabber. The few times it was on Channel 20 later on when I was in elementary school, I, I would call some friends like, yo, you want to do something on Saturday? Just look at this movie. But I got things to do. I want to go outside. Look at the movie. Trust me, you'll like it. Yeah. Call me back and they're like, yo, I love to do. I love the, the cars too. All these like muscle cars plus obviously the Dodge M4S Interceptor. Yeah, Turbo Interceptor they called it. Which were like only made specifically for, for this movie. Yeah, and they just look so cool and like futuristic. It does, yeah. I, I would, if, I could, if I get rich enough, I want to find that car and buy it just so I can say I got it. Can you imagine like rolling up to a club in that car? I mean, I, that would oh, definitely be like several, like heads would definitely be turning. They would be definitely. It's like... <laughs> That kind of car, it's, it, it gets too much attention. Yeah. And the, another thing I really liked about this this movie is the filming and cinematography. Because when I watch it, like the, 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 the racing scenes and how it's shot, it kind of reminded me of like the first season of Miami Vice. Like the car chases. Oh, yeah. And how they're filmed. I was like, wow, this really seems like Miami Vice. Reminded me a lot of like Michael Mann and how he does like stuff in his uh, films. They probably got they probably got some ideas from Miami Vice on how to do that because season 3 of Miami Vice aired the same year the Wraith debuted in the theaters. And I remember the very first episode of season 3, Crockett he gets a new car, a white Testarossa. And in that same episode they have like a car chase scene with him in the city chasing after trying to get away from like two other guys that are chasing him. And I'm like White's not even my color for a car, but I would get that car just because it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, like so many awesome cars in Miami Vice um, made me really love the Ferrari. I mean, so oh, yeah. Awesome cars. And yeah, man, this is that's why this movie is so cool. And, um, you know, it's, it, a, it's a real cold classic. I, it's a testament to how much of a fan I am. I used to there used to be a place on uh, Georgia Avenue called Video 95. Remember, I found the VHS there. The, the cover was really severely bootleg, but the, the video tape itself was fine. I bought it. I even taped it before that off HBO the few times it aired on there. But then when DVDs dropped, it's like, okay. Uh, I got two copies of it as well, too. But now I'm waiting for the Blu-ray to drop, and I'm like, that's all I'll need. I even found the CD soundtrack for it at Comic-Con, Baltimore Comic-Con back in 2010. Yeah, and then speaking about soundtrack, I mean, there's so many good songs in this soundtrack. And it really kind of captures that period in time period of time oh yeah it does like great 80s music like billy idol motley Crue, and the songs go with the races themselves and even the other scenes that they're using too definitely definitely and and um so let's jump into our first song here all right so this is <clears throat> excuse me the um the opening scene credits tim uh tim feehan where's the where's the fire played in the opening credits just um we see um, a boyfriend and girlfriend in the, was it the Daytona? Yeah, 84 Daytona, yeah. Yeah, 
Uh, so many Dodge like cars in this movie. Yeah, three of them. Three of them actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is this is like an ad for Dodge. Yeah, it is like product placement. Yeah, they're like even the cop even, cars were Dodge. Even for a low budget film, like product heavy product placement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so we see this this scene where the the boyfriend and girlfriend are driving, and then they're being chased by Packard's crew, which is like the the gang of car pirates. Yeah, basically road pirates they call them. Yeah, it's like you see Packard, Minty, and Augie right behind them, and then they try. And then there's a roadblock with the remainder of the gang. Yeah, yeah. And um, I believe this this song is actually played at the end of the, the movie as well. Yeah, it's bookended, yeah. And it's kind of like like the signature track, I feel like, for the, for the movie. Because, you know, you see it in the trailer and mm-hmm. you see it in the opening and then the closing credits as well. And I think the lyrics really capture, like, the, the, the vibe of that scene because it's like, you know... Uh, there's there's something out there i can hear it calling i want to hold it but it's moving too fast where's the fire you kind of feel the tension yeah there is it is a tension when it builds up in the song definitely yeah and then um you know they they uh you know he's threatening his girlfriend uh what's it packard and yeah he was played, played by nick cassavetes yeah nick cassavetes yeah who eventually <clears throat> who eventually became a better director than he was an actor yeah yeah i always remember him from entourage when he shows up in like the like oh, yeah. the, like later seasons uh-huh yeah what's it going on ari said cassavetes nick, he was talking to vince he's like vince cassavetes is from a family full of method actors the script says eat glass they'll do that <laughs> <laughs> and then he like eggs him on to do that car scene where he like you know uh he goes over the like fire pit with the car and smashes yeah. like ends up getting hurt but buddy is an adrenaline rush from at least a more addictive behavior for vince yeah yeah and i i always wonder if it was kind of a joke of of cassavetes being in like the wraith because there's so many like car mm-hmm. scenes and cars blowing blowing up. up yeah like you gotta you gotta a wonder subtle. if like doug ellen or like mark Wahlberg were kind of trying to have some subtle, comedy there yeah there's a subtle nod to it yeah yeah it's like yeah and kind of making fun of them too because it's like hey maybe you're maybe you're you should stick to directing instead of acting Acting, or, yeah because like, your career crashed and burn as an actor <laughs> yeah but um yeah yeah if anyone hasn't seen that season check it out because there's some a lot of comedy there. But, oh, yeah, there uh, is, there is. And even even this opening scene, like, what's it called, where the, where the song is playing. And when Packard, he when he walks out of his, that that, that sh- Corvette Stingray that he has with a custom paint job. Yeah. And he starts threatening the guy in the day. He's like, why'd you stop me, man? What do you want? And he, he says, well, let's just say it's pink. And the girl thinks she's talking about, he's talking about her. Oh, jeez. Yeah, there's so many like little like one liners there in the movie. Yeah, shit they get shit they got past the radar, even though it's PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that movie was PG thirteen. Amount of blood and and, and bad n- language. And, and nudity. And nudity, yeah. I mean, I guess Although times sh- have changed, right? They they have changed, yeah. So um but yeah, the the uh, the artist Tim Feehan was pretty popular eighties musician. And I didn't know this, but he actually did a song for the James Bond. 89, yeah. the 89 film License to Kill, where Timothy Dalton played. And that's my favorite Bond movie. It's the most violent. Yeah, I think uh, Benicio Del Toro is in that, right? He is, yeah. He plays one of uh, the head, the main bad guys, main henchman, yeah. Dario. Yeah, and it's like his first kind of, I feel like, big debut in, uh, on the, on screen. It is, yeah. But, um, yeah, so let's go to the next one here for the, for the, for the car race that ensues afterwards. Ozzy Osbourne uh, and Secret Lo- Loser is the name of the track. Works perfectly because oh, yeah. the boyfriend loses. loses. He does, but he he got he got cheated. Packard cheated him. Yeah, he ran him off the road. But the song fits perfectly with the scene, though. It's like I love the melody of it. I love the guitar and Ozzy's voice. Yeah, and it's off of one of his, uh, like I believe, most the uh, ultimate sin, which came yeah, out in '84. Yeah, yeah, and um, 
yeah, Ozzy's just like a you know, he's a, he's a legend in the, the metal scene. You know, yeah, get, get well, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah, I heard he uh, heard he caught the flu, mm-hmm. so he had to cancel a bunch of his tour dates. But yeah, the lyrics work well. Yeah, loser, I'm a secret loser. Loser, I'm a secret leader. Uh, loser fighting a losing battle. Repenting so. the holy unknowns. Ozzy had a way with lyrics, even though in a conversation you can't understand a damn thing he's saying. Yeah, I mean, and it, I, I, one thing I really like about this movie is the director picked just the perfect soundtrack. I mean, there's just so many great songs on here and a lot of them are exclusive some of them they only they didn't use the ones that have been previously released when they made the soundtrack for it i guess they probably figured that they already paid them enough to have in the movie then they have to pay them again to put on the soundtrack yeah i think one of them was what motley 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 cruz smoking in the boys room billy idol's uh what's it called um rebel Rebel yell Yell, and robert palmer's addicted to love yeah yeah which we'll talk about in, in in a little bit here so the next the next track we're going to talk about is Stan Bush Head uh, Hearts versus Heads. Um, it's played while uh, Jake is coming to town. Yeah. on a motorbike. You just see him in the background on his bike coming up and down the hill, and we get introduced to the town that they're currently in. A it's a fictional town called Brooks in Arizona, very small town. Yeah, and um, it's kind of like that cliche eighties like <laughs> yeah. drive in on the motorcycle. I feel like. It's almost like Tom Cruise from from uh, what's it Top Gun when he drives in on the on the motorbike. I oh mean, yeah, it does just... does remind me of that actually. Yeah, and then and then you know ironically uh, Charlie Sheen would <laughs> make fun of that and and hot, hot shots. shots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it definitely makes me think of that. But Stan Bush is played um, as as he drives in, and um, I feel like the the lyrics definitely. Or have some foreshadowing in them because Jake's character, um, you know, actually ends up stealing Packard's girl. Thing of it is, she was his before Packard's. Think about it. Oh, I didn't even. Well, yeah, that's another way to think about it, right? Yeah. He, he ends up getting uh, murdered by Packard's crew. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's it called? I mean, the, for then the first 20 minutes of the movie, we figure out what's it called, who the wraith, the title character is. Yeah. He's three people. Yeah, and it, I mean, I, I have to admit, it was a little a little bit confusing for me, but um, I put it together, you know, with help from you. <laughs> oh, thank, thank, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> but the lyrics for this song, um, you know, when somebody else comes along, something in your eyes, it, it, it said, let's steal away from both, both of, of our, our commitments. commitments, should we go or stay? And I guess, yeah, it does kind of work more on that front with uh, them kind of stealing from each other. Yeah, it's true. It's true, actually. Yeah. I mean, what's it called? Like Carrie, she's in like a she's locked in a relationship with a guy she doesn't love who just basically said, you're mine. That's it. Yeah. And he just kind of like muscles her around. Right. And he's never even smashed neither. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, actually, I ends up getting with another girl later in the movie. Right. Like, yeah, he does. Yeah. I think she's probably probably one of the girls from from the burger joint. Yeah. So um, anyways, the uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, and Stan Bush he, during the same year this came out, he was on the. Uh, the Transformers animated soundtrack. He did the song that's been parody that was parodied in Boogie Nights, The Touch. Okay. You got the touch. That one. Oh, okay. All right. I have you know, I actually haven't even seen that. Isn't that isn't that sad? I haven't seen Boogie Nights. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard that's a good one. Mark Wahlberg. Oh yeah, it's like an ensemble cast. That's what made Wahlberg a star right Burt, there. Uh Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, yeah. Nicole Ari Parker, Don Cheadle, Heather Graham. Oh, yeah. I love Heather Graham. Doesn't. <laughs> so um, our next song, Ian, Ian Hunter, Wake Up Call. That's played 
at the lake, I believe, right? Yeah, the lake scene where everybody's there, actually. I'm like, like okay. I'm like, is that, is that like the go-to spot for, for like this small town? Yeah, it's like, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of cliche in a little bit. I it mean, is, it is. But at least we got to see Cheryl and Penn in a two-piece in that scene. <laughs> she was like, speaking of her, she was like 21 at the time and she was dating Johnny Depp. And during the filming of this movie, Depp would hide out in his hotel and not go on to set because he didn't want to distract her. But I'm guessing that's how him and Charlie Sheen met and they got in together for Platoon. Really? Oh. I, I did not know that. That is an interesting uh, little trivia fact there. But um, yeah, the Ian Hunter song, Wake Up Call, which I feel like is kind of a, a shout out for that Sherilyn Sherlyn, uh, Pe- Sherlyn Fenn's character, uh, Carrie. Carrie Johnson. It's like, wake up, you know, this guy Packard's a psycho. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. He's a psycho. He killed your, he killed your boyfriend he, while you were there. Yeah. It's just like, why would you still be with this guy, one? And then, like, why would you not call the cops? You he know? Said, they said she didn't remember later in the film, but what's it called? And when she gets her memory back later and she starts going at him. Yeah. I'm like, why now? Why couldn't you remember that before? Yeah. I guess that's kind of a, a, a little a little uh, what do they call that a, a block or a hole in the hole in the writing there. <laughs> I guess yeah. There's a lot of things in this movie that are I like the film, but let's face it, there are plenty of holes in it. Yeah. And frankly, I'm surprised that a novelization wasn't done to fill in the holes, or even a, a, an apocryphal comic book from Dark Horse or Marvel to answer some questions. Yeah, and I think they did those with the the Alien films. They did Alien, Predator, Terminator, Judge Dredd did it with all of them. Yeah, maybe they'll do that. I don't know. Who they knows? should. It's like, I mean, with this film, I jokingly say they, when people say they need to redo this film like they've been doing other 80s films, I'm like, they already did redo The Wraith eight years after it came out. It was called The Crow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that soundtrack. We should talk about that one because that's mm. got a lot. Mm. We That has a lot of great music on. It is. I got the soundtrack for that one as well. Has one of my favorite bands too, Helmet. Oh yeah, oh that yeah. That song called Milk Milk Toast. Well, they, they had the scene where what's it called? Um, where uh, where's that guy Gideon? He's drinking in the bar and it goes. Dan, 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 yeah, dan, has has that killer cr- like crushing intro riff. It's just like oh yeah, yeah. And a lot of bands I like have were heavily influenced by Helmet. I mean, I just love that band. Yeah, Chevelle. <laughs> they were influenced by Helmet, certainly. Very underrated too. Like nobody, not a lot of people know about Helmet. You know, I know they don't. And they were like big, like hardcore, like influenced, like the hardcore metal, like kind of scene. So, yeah, the most prom- the last prominent thing I remember seeing Helmet on was back in high school. It was the Family Values tour back in 1999. Oh wow! Yeah, they were on that. Yeah, I mean, you're lucky you got to see him because I haven't been able to see him. <laughs> Maybe I'll get lucky, but so the next song is uh, by Motley Crue, "Smoking in the Boys' Room," and it's a cover from some band, some Michigan band. I forget what they're called. And this song is played while um, Skank and Gutter Boy pull up in the Barracuda, right? Yeah, that that uh, that Plymouth Barracuda, 1966. Yeah, yeah. They pull up in there, it's all smoky and whatnot. And Skank and Gutter Boy, there's. <laughs> we should talk about Packard's gang in a little bit. Skank and Gutter Boy, there's some tweakers, some white trash tweakers who drink chemical car fluid all the time and get high off that. Yeah, they're like meth heads. Eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh man, it's just I, I don't even know what it was. I guess you 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 figured it out. It was uh, what car uh, car fluid or whatever they it's, were drinking. It's something it's car fluid, yeah. I mean, whatever it is, it's probably illegal, and you can't drink it because you shouldn't drink. You it. shouldn't be drinking it. And I think that it, it's reflected kind of with the song title, "Smoking in the Boys' Room." It's kind of 
Not allowed. Not allowed. Paco doesn't allow his gang. He doesn't really allow his gang to get high. I mean, you see how he reacts when Skank is like, oh, I'm tweaking, dude. Paco just grabs a bottle and just throws it away. Yeah. And he even gives him some anti-drug advice in this scene. Yeah. And then he but, and he also like threatens to like cut him with that switchblade. Yeah. So he told, he told what's it called, Skank and Gutterboy to look after, to let him know if like the new guy, Jake, Charlie Sheen's character... Or the burger guy, Billy, who just who we just befriended. He said, you see Billy or Jake around Carrie, I want to know about it. It's like, fuck, man, I want to be working in the cars. And he pulls a knife out. Yeah, I mean, the dude is just like... Obsessive. Pack- Packard is just a psycho, man. Just a, a pure psycho, sociopath. He is, he is. And he demonstrates that further later on in the scene, like physical harm to himself. Yeah. And no and no emotional feeling about it. Did Now, I have a question for you. With the Barracuda, it's got an airborne-like painting on it. It does, on the side of it, yeah. Do you think that, like, Skank was in, like, Vietnam or, like, was he... he I feel like he's too young. Too right? young. Yeah, too or young. in the military, maybe, or... Something there, maybe. Or or he got the car from a used lot and just souped it up a little bit as best as they could. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, that was a little bit of, like, you know... Uh, Trivia I was trying to figure out there because I was like, well, that that doesn't really line up with the chronology and like the year because I'm assuming this is the 80s and it's present day. It's and, 80s, yeah. There's a like I said, there's like you said, there's a lot of holes in this film they never filled. Yeah, and even like he he had like those like really those weird earrings that he was wearing and they had like a like a sword. It was a, like sword, a sword going through it. Yeah, and I was like, is that like a military like like thing but or, why would people or a in the gang thing yeah i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> it's Packer, so weird packer's gang is an assortment of guys and Adi, he looks like a suburban kid trying to play a gang member that's griffin o'neill ryan o'neill's son yeah and you got minty who looks like a preppy preppy tax accountant with a varsity letterman jacket yeah and skank and gutter boy the white trash tweakers and clint howard's character rughead the the scientist of the group who drives a late 70s chevy pickup and you said minty was like is he was he like uh he had like a Wall Street Journal like or something? Wall Street in Journal his... and and uh, with a green accountant visor. Yeah. yeah, he was the businessman of the group. I guess he handled all the the stolen cars they fenced out to other people and whatnot. I never understood that though. It's like it, you have all these guys that don't really sound like they're intelligent at all, and then you have some like ex accountant. Yeah, <laughs> like I, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Really, it's like well, it makes sense to have that guy in the group really to, to manage the finances. Yeah, and looks like he was doing a good job of it too. When we later see in the other scenes. Yeah, but like the assortment of characters is like, how did y'all end up with this guy? Yeah, yeah, and then um, I mean, so you know, back to the song. I think that yeah. the uh, the lyrics definitely illustrate that there's something going on in that car that they probably shouldn't be drinking mm-hmm. like motor fluid or whatever because it's it's probably going to impair you and you shouldn't be doing that because you won't be able to drive and maybe kill somebody exactly and packard tells him when after he's done with done threatening them he says oh yeah skank do me a favor would you get rid of that zombie piss you drink before it turns you into a mushroom <laughs> no problem pack yeah right and then skank goes back to drinking it <laughs> and brooke's like mushroom <laughs> yeah that's like a like a psa video for for not drinking and driving right it is even if, if your sociopathic boss is telling you not to not to do, be doing them drugs you know you got a problem <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um then we go to our next song which is probably like one of my favorites it's uh robert robert palmer addicted to love from his 1986 album riptide yeah and um this song had, I think, one of the most famous music videos. Oh yeah, the models playing the guitars. Yeah, yeah. Some 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 guitars taught them forms. So will be able to move back and forth like that. But 
They're not actually they're not yeah. actually playing it at all. They don't know how to play any of the instruments. I taped the video when VH1 used to have pop up videos back in the '90s where they gave like like little tidbits about the video, the song, and the artist, and other random trivia facts or whatever. What do they call that? Like pop up videos? Pop up video? Yeah. yeah. I remember I taped the um the episode where this one where this song was used as as a as a featured video when VH1 was actually good. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched VH1 in years. The only thing I really like were those pop-up videos and then behind the music was really good. Like, and the hip hop honors, they did their research for that. Yeah. But this song, man, it's like just got so much sexuality in it and, and it fits in it fits in well. Uh, yeah. It fits in well with the scene. So uh, It does. Yeah, the the burger joint, it Big K's Burgers is what it's called. And it's used in the montage of Billy, who's like the only cook in that place. And all the girls, including Sherilyn Fenn, on roller skates, going around being uh, servers and whatnot to the people that are posted outside there. Yeah, they're wearing all those like kind of uh, sexy uh, mini skirts and whatnot. Yeah, on roller skates, it's like. But my question with that is like, who who pays you guys? Yeah, who pays you guys? Who owns that place? And Sherilyn Fenn, when we first see her in the film, she's walking out of a single family home on some in some street in the town, and I'm like. First of all, how do you, how do you afford that sal? How do you afford that house on, on that salary? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably her parents' house, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't see her being muscled by. I don't see her as a teenage girl being muscled by Packard. Yeah, I mean, where's where her parents? Right? They would have been like helping her out. Yeah, or something. Or something. I mean, yeah. Like this guy would have been arrested by now. Should have been. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but great song nonetheless. We and then we go to. Uh, our next song, which is Lion. Oh, yeah. Power Love. Power Love, yeah. I remember I found the EP, the, the self-titled EP. Well, not self-titled, but the title track. The title track for this song. Um, Not the title track for this song, but the album was featured on of the same name, Power Love. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's actually the first song on there, right? I was looking for it for years because... Oh man, this is during the age of Kazaa and of LimeWire when I was in college. I would search like long nights, like where is this song, and somebody had it, and I would wait like four hours for the download, even with fifty six k. Yeah, the days, the days of of Kazaa, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all them, all them, all them MP three services post Napster. Each one of them came laced with their own special computerized STDs, <laughs> viruses, and yeah. adware, and all of that mm-hmm. stuff that you never want to get on your computer. Fuck no. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, this is played when uh, the wraith approaches the the garage. Yeah, the garage scene. Yeah, that that was a cool scene, really. I mean, right before. Right before this, we go into the, the the garage. You just hear the riff from. Then we go right in, and they're all working on the cars they've stolen. Yeah, yeah, and then even the lyrics kind of match up perfectly with that whole like kind of creeping up there, you know? Because I'm creeping up on you. What you gonna do? Yeah, power love creeping up on you. Power love. What you gonna do? And that whole scene was vicious. I mean, the wraith just goes in there with that little shotgun. I'm like, if you're so extraterrestrial, what you got a wooden-handled shotgun for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, that shotgun was um, the same shotgun that was used by Muldoon and uh, Jurassic Park. It's that, oh, like, yeah, it Spaz, uh, I think it's like a Spaz 12. Uh-huh. And it's it looks like, but it does look like a real futuristic weapon, though. I mean, because it's got it that retractable stock, which I laugh about. Because why would you put a wooden stock yeah, on why? a shotgun that has a retractable? Start? I, I never understood that either. I never yeah. understood that either. I was watching. That, I was like, "What the hell were they doing here?" And they put all this like stuff on their lights. And, and, and did you think people wouldn't notice? Yeah. 
Yeah, but it was a cool scene nonetheless. I mean, <laughs> he goes in there and just intimidates everybody but Packard, who literally stands his ground. Yeah, he was like, he has like that weird looking face. Like he was totally unamused that this guy was like blowing away all these cars that he has with the with the shock. And he was just like, uh, that's not a big deal. Slightly what? annoyed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, slightly annoyed. And he was he, he didn't feel nothing when the dude put the put the shotgun point blank right in his face. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's like real sociopath. Yeah, and uh, I guess he's not afraid of shotguns because that's what he used to to kill uh, the kill uh, Jake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the same scene, they show the flashback of what happened when the Wraith reveals his identity by letting the scope of his helmet go up. Yeah, Rughead recognizes it and gets a look of fear in his face, and then the flashback happens after they stabbed and beat Jake to death, put him in the back of a Dodge. Yeah, and use a shotgun to blow it up. That that Dodge they blow him up in probably is a, the the Wraith car reincarnated too. Yeah, yeah. And and then you know what the the thing that's funny is um that the the guy who plays Rughead is uh Clint Howard. Clint Howard, which is Ron Howard's oh. brother. Yeah, he's always he's like that guy. Who is that guy in the film? Yeah, yeah. It's like because you've seen him I know I've seen him in Apollo thirteen and you Backdraft. Know, backdraft, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of annoying in the Wraith, I'm not gonna lie. Like <laughs> you're just like, dude, stop talking, man. Like Sometimes, yeah, but it's like he's the only one. That, he's the only good one in there. Actually. Yeah, he's actually like the only good apple out of that whole crew. Yeah, he is really, and he didn't have nothing to do with Jake's death, so that's why he got spared. Yeah, and he was the only one that survived at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you didn't kill me, so we're good. And then, then our next song by Honeymoon Suite. Those were the days. I like this song. This song is like it's got it's like memories it, fading. It's just away. like real yeah, chill. One. Yeah, it's it's real chill, but it's kind of one that like. It's very catchy. You would remember it if you heard it, and it's played in the scene right, right where um, Randy Quaid's like sitting outside of the burger joint, spying on Packer's gang as they show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Packer's gang—they're frustrated because they can't find the wraith anywhere. Yeah. And what's it called? <laughs> Randy Quaid's character when he gets his burger, he just starts taking the pickles off. I'm like, that looks like a good burger, actually, too. <laughs> yeah. It's also funny too when he's like drinking coffee. Uh, later on in the movie, and he's mm-hmm. talking to um, to um, what's it, Jake's brother or uh, oh yeah, Billy, uh, Billy. Uh, yeah, and he's like pouring all the sugar in his coffee, and I'm like, that's how I pour my coffee. I put a ton of sugar. Yeah, in like there. you take sugar, you take coffee with your sugar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just sitting there like pouring the whole damn like sugar vial mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, just like needed a prop or something just to do. Yeah, it's pretty funny, but it is in the scene, the scene where they're just staking out waiting for. And you said they fit. They, they foreshadow the next race and the and the and the, and the death of Minty. Yeah. How, let me see. How so? Can you explain that? The the um life's like life's lessons sometimes learn that lyric. Mm-hmm. I feel like Minty. He's like, oh, I want to, I want to race the wraith. You oh, know, yeah. even after the two deaths of uh, our um Just or one. the one death, sorry, of um Augie. Augie, you would think like, dude. Why would you try to race this guy? Like you, you, one of your crew mem- crew members already got killed trying to race the wraith, and it's like now you want to go and do this. Like I mean, oh, I don't yeah. know. For, to me, it's like uh, I wouldn't race that guy. I wouldn't race that guy at all. Nah, I mean, they didn't see what happened. Nah, but it's like, why even test it? Why like? And the guy what? was just at your house last night with a fucking shotgun and and, and fucked up your Trans Am. Yeah, and that's why you really want to race him because he because he messed up your nice nineteen seventy seven Pontiac Firebird. Yeah, the mustard color. <laughs> and there's so many muscle cars in this this movie. I mean, like you got Firebirds, you got Barracudas, like and, and even the first race in the film, the the what's it called? When Packard played the, the kid in, race the kid in the Daytona, that wasn't a fair match from Jump Street. No. A Corvette no. against a Daytona? Fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, 
the, the clearly the Corvette's going to win. I mean, but he had to cheat to win, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, which makes you hate the character Packard's character <laughs> yeah, even more. It does, but, yeah. Uh, and he wears that. I, I just think it's so dumb how they wear those helmets too. It's like, and, come and, on. And Packard's wearing a leather jacket outside in the Arizona heat. Yeah. Although that jacket with the bull's skull on the back of it—that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, and, and and like I, like we were just talking about, it's foreshadowing for the next song and the next scene. Lion never surrender. Uh, and oh, but I was gonna say, uh, I don't mean to cut you off. Something occurred to me about the last song, "Honeymoon Suite." The lyrics: "Sitting, waiting for the day." And then when Packer gets up to leave, we see what's it called? The Wraith somehow left a note in his car saying, "I'll be on Lookout Mountain Road, waiting." Underlined. Yeah. Yeah, so like it kind of matches up with the letter that he left, the lyrics from from mm-hmm. from honeymoon suite. Th- these were the days. Oh yeah, those were the days. Sorry, um, that's it, cool. I didn't pick up on that. I just picked on it on just now. <laughs> um, but this scene, this next one, you're about to get into. It's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, and this is a pretty crucial racing scene. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like you know, it's it's intense. And intense, and it gets and and also right before the race happens, it gets you into Packers' thought patterns too. Because when he pulls his shotgun out, and the cops are already staked out, ready for these, ready for the race to happen, even though they can't do shit really. Yeah, yeah. Packard's written ready to shoot the race with the shotgun, but Skank stops him, and he's like, Packard's like, why is it you continue to question my authority? Because man, got a big audience with Rughead over there, man. First degree <laughs> murder. Never mind, you're right. You do you do a good uh, a good uh, skank uh, I, accent there. <laughs> I've seen this movie like a hundred times since I was four. <laughs> but yeah, this movie is. Um, I'm sorry. This this uh, scene. scene rather is uh, is very intense. Um, it's a pretty intense car race. And the digital radio killer that they tried to put in the Wraith's car that Rughead made. It's like, what? Are you serious? Yeah, it's like it's not gonna do shit to him. Talking about you Zappio's electrical system. Yeah, I mean, this is like a supernatural car here. This is like that you've never seen before. Exactly, yeah. It's a Dodge (laughs) M4S Interceptor, man. This car is freaking badass, you know? It's like, you try to run, we'll zap your electrical system. And he opens the hood, what's in the back? It's It's like, like, I don't even know what to do with this. (laughs) Go go ahead, put it in there. It's not going to work. I love how, like, he never talks, too. Like, the Wraith, like, never says a word, like... When they when he's like, hey, uh, are you ready to race? And he just like revs his engine. He doesn't mm-hmm. like even even say a word, you know, acknowledging say, the not even acknowledging the other person, nah. Which adds to the kind of mystical, uh, like you know, theme of it. Which, which speaking of which, you notice how every time the wraith he kills one of the guys after the drag race or whatever, and his car reconstituted reconstitutes itself. Yeah, and there's always like a metal bar. Yeah, what is that? I mean, somebody said that what's it called that. The metal bars, they were on his body at one point when we first see him in the film, in yeah. the opening scene. And because of how Jake was killed and beaten and whatnot, it's like they say that those bars, they resemble the ones that are used in patients who suffer from like severely severe physical trauma or injury. Oh, so, okay. So I'm guessing each person he kills, the metal disappears and his trauma disappears too. Right. Okay. And I didn't understand why, like, their bodies would just still be intact after that. Except for their eyes. The eyes would be the eyes would be scooped out. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. It was. It was. They weren't be, they weren't burnt up. No nothing. And I even think you know, even the characters like Loomis was like, "This is so weird. Why are they not like dog meat?" Exactly. Because at first, when he first sees him, he's like, "God, that's ugly." Loomis, the kid, ought to be dog meat. So he takes off the glass. Like, wait a minute. This kid. It's like a thousand degrees in that car. Uh huh. At least. Yeah. Where's his eyes? Yeah. I missed that part, the eyes part. I mean, I... I, I and Augie, Augie, after his death, when Loomis first appears, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And one of his deputies is like, Loomis, I think you should see this. And they show him Augie's body. So this is the second Lion, Lion song on here, though. It is. Yeah. And Lion, 86 was probably their biggest year because they had two songs on this on this movie and like the opening song in the Transformers movie as well. Yeah. So they were a pretty popular band back back in the you know mid 80s. Mid 80s. Yeah. But this song right here, this race. Minty's Trans Am against the race car. Yeah. And then the cops are coming, and then they got to get the race going off. Yeah. I'm like, what are y'all cops going to do? Y'all can't even follow these dudes. <laughs> and it's like they're racing on the highway, and there are still other other passengers on the highway, too, that they got to go around. Yeah. Which reminds me of the first, the second race when when he races Augie, and Augie tells the race beforehand, stay on your side of the road, man. And as soon as they take off, Augie's forced to like, switch lanes like, fucking hypocrite. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene um, in GoldenEye where they're like the beginning opening. Or mm-hmm. It's a scene where Bond is racing, um, uh, what's her name, Anatop Zena? Yeah. And and he's in, um, he's in the uh, classic, what's that, um, Aston Martin. He's mm-hmm. in the Aston Martin, the silver Aston, uh, Aston Martin. And then um, Zena's in the, uh, for, I think it's the ferrari like yeah it is she's in like a red ferrari probably that some probably a ferrari you would have seen in miami vice but True. uh yeah that reminds me because it's got those winding turns like uh-huh. you know and they're on the mountain you're right you're right about that and also like like you said about the scene right here the lyrics i was just looking at the lyrics again and you said it reflects minty's mindset yes it does because the dummy just kept going even after even after the wraith who was parallel to him at one scene where he thinks i gotta lead upon him and the race like goodbye yeah I'm like dude you should have stopped your car right there yeah, never surrender. Forf- and forfeit. Yeah, yeah. And he, and it cost him in the end. You yeah, know? he kept going and couldn't stop in time. And it's like, okay, th- but you kill the guy. You help kill the guy. That's what you get. Yeah, yeah. So definitely uh, definitely a revenge, kind of a revenge flick too when you think about it. It is a revenge film. It's basically, I, I, so I told people before, this is what High Plains Drifter would have been like if it, w- it involved a ghost story and muscle cars. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of like Fast and the you mentioned Fast and the Furious. Yeah, I consider it like a supernatural predecessor to like the Fast and the Furious in some sense, if only because of the car theme. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then we have uh, for the next track, Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler, Matter of the Heart, and then this is played when um, Jake and Carrie are like making out outside of that outside of her house. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, really, she likes she likes Jake and he likes her, of course, but they just came from like a, a car. A chase against Skank and Gutter Boy in, in the Barracuda. And Jake was just on his motorbike with Carrie the whole time. And we got it, but he got her through it safe. And I think, like, what's it called? Tension of that, she, she definitely needs to kiss the guy. Yeah, yeah. You, you, it's it's going to happen sooner or later, right? It is. Sooner or later, yeah. And and given what they're talking about, like, what's it called? Jake is telling Carrie that, what's it called? Packard, he's really just a coward. That's why he has all the gang around him. Yeah. And tells her, one day you're going to have to stand up for yourself against him. When you do, you'll be free of him. Yeah. And and, and to like Bonnie Tyler, um, her voice, she's got a very distinct voice. A very husky, like almost smoky voice kind of like what Kathleen Turner would sound like if she was British and a singer. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe even, I don't know. I don't want to say she sounds exactly like Stevie Nicks, but Stevie no. Nicks had a, I feel like a little bit of a raspy voice. A rat, kind of a rasp, but not Ooh, deep, hint, but not throaty. A, yeah. Like a hint, like a hint of it. And, um. But yeah, uh, I, I like this song a lot. I, and um, This is one of the ones I was looking for in college, too. I and mean, I was elated when I found it. 
Yeah, I I was having a hard time finding some of her stuff as well. Um, the only songs I have from her are her main song, Totally Eclipse of the Heart, the longer version, not the single version. And I think that's the one she was like really famous for. Yeah, she is. And also um, the song called Ravishing. And the, the music, the beat for that song was actually used as Hulk Hogan's uh, intro theme music before they decided to give it to Bonnie Tyler. And a song called I'm Holding Out for a Hero at the End of the Night. That was used in uh, many 80s films, like Who's Harry Crumb, Short Circuit Part 2. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I feel like the lyrics work perfectly with the like romantic aspect of it. You know, a good love only starts when you start to lose control. control. Yeah. And she's calling out your name, and she needs you in the night. So there True you love. go. True, True love, love right there. And Packard's watching in the distance, and he's smoking like, a cigarette all jealous and shit. Like a creeper. Uh-huh. Like a creeper. And he's like <laughs> near, he's in, in, the way he looks like he's very nearby, too. How do you not recognize his car? Yeah, yeah, it's just maybe maybe a little a little uh, plot hole there, right? Like or yes, yeah, a big one or continuity issue or probably yes, definitely. And then there, our next song we have here is by Lamarca, "Hold On, Blue Eyes." I couldn't find no information about Lamarca, not even on Discogs, which has music info on every every vinyl record ever released. Yeah, yeah, I was having a hard time finding stuff too on this guy, and I feel like. Uh, maybe this is like his only like release, like probably. I mean, a lot of these people they get like one release that they're known for on a soundtrack, even if the soundtrack's pretty obscure, except to a few cult fans. Yeah, but I feel like the title of the song works perfectly because Carrie has blue eyes, and she has blue eyes. Yeah, and, and it just she wears a blue bathing suit too at the uh, at, at the, the lake at yeah. the lake for their like love scene. Their love scene, yeah. So yeah, and I and I like the scene too because what's it called? It's like. <laughs> It foreshadows a lot of things right there. You see the cuts on on Charlie Sheen's back, yeah, from when he from his previous life, which is partly how he was killed. Yeah, and it's like, lady, you're making love to him. You don't feel those things on his back, and you say he reminds you of your first love, Jake. You don't make the connection yet. Yeah, I was. That's another thing I was wondering too. I was like, how do you not see those? They're like very obvious. It is, yeah. But I don't know. Like I said, another another continuity or plot plot issue there. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the infamous Billy Idol, Rebel Yell. That's love used, this track. Loved used in so many movies. And a year prior to this, in 1985, it was used in the uh, I forget, Matthew Bright movie, The Legend of Billie Jean. Okay. The mall scene where she's being chased. It was like a sped up version of it, but that version was really, it sounded better. Better okay. than all the other ones I've heard. And this scene, I believe it was used... Um, the song? The, uh, the song in this, in, the, uh, in this movie, this was used... Uh, I think it was right before um, the Wraith kills um, Skank and um, Gutter like, Boy, right? It's, it, yeah, it's in the scene where, what's it called, where they're they're all working in the warehouse, what's left of the gang. Yeah. Packard says, hey, genius, take care. Like, he's like, he knows something's going to happen, yeah. which is why he's bouncing quick. Yeah, and I think the, so- the sound of the song, Rebel Yell, it's kind mm-hmm. of got this, like, chaotic, like sound to it just the way the the guitars are used and the the synths and everything so i think it just fit, fits well with how crazy this entire scene is because essentially the wraith goes like you know goes kamikaze and drives his mm-hmm. <laughs> drives his uh car right in there and blows up the the warehouse which was skank and gutter boy were about to do like go crazy and like when they, they when rughead was taking his boomerangs he's like he's like what are you guys doing and skank's like we're gonna go screw around why you want to come <laughs> And what's it called when they're loading up their new car that they got after the Barracuda got destroyed? And what's it called? <laughs> Skank's like, let's, let's fill this butt up with some 13. Let's cruise. Scare up some poodles. And then McGutter was like, you got it, Skanko, because I'm a four-day virgin. Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, I was like, what? 
What is he talking Fort about? Dave Makes version. no sense. No sense. Yeah, well, he he he's an illiterate redneck white trash motherfucker. It's like you heard him what he said in the other film when Loomis was trying to talk to him. He's like, well, we know our constipational rights, sir. You can't just constipational constipational rights. I mean, you sound like that dude from In Living Color, Damon Wayne's character, Oswald. Yeah, yeah, dude, that that was definitely there's definitely some some comic relief with that yeah that character is. and how how stupid he is. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. And so when they get killed. You don't have much sympathy for them. Yeah, yeah. Then they're kind of annoying, too. I mean. <laughs> like, what are y'all doing? What is your purpose in the gang? I mean, Gutter Boy at least put some work in Skank. Packard had to make him work, threaten him to make him work. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the turtle, right, of uh, of the entourage. It's like, or, what does this guy do? Yeah, he don't, he don't smoke no weed, but he, he'll, he'll drink chemical car fluid. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we go to our next song, um, Jill Michaels, Young Love, Hot Love. Not the same Jill Michaels, the fitness guru. Not the same one. Yeah, not Jillian Michaels, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was looking this one up, and every time on Google, Jillian Michaels was popping up. I'm like, no, not the Jillian, not the fitness Jillian Michaels. <laughs> yeah, Discogs is the best place to go to for obscure artists that only had like one song on a sound on a soundtrack. Yeah, so this song is. Um, yeah, it's played while it, it was the scene I was talking about earlier when, uh, you know, um, Billy Loomis. is talking to Loomis and Loomis is, <laughs> is like pouring all that sugar in his coffee. And Billy's the only one in the kitchen. He's the only cook for big case. He's like, he, well, Loomis like, can I have a word with you? What do you need? I'm swamped. But <laughs> but not so much if you that you can't make conversation with the guy about your brother or answer a few questions. Yeah. He's like, I'm swamped. And he's like, but I'm not doing any work. <laughs> like, he's like not doing anything. There's yeah, it's like, like nobody there. It's like second nature to him at that at that point. Yeah. <laughs> And like, what's it called? The the drum beat, the opening drum riff of the song. It's like, how has nobody sampled this yet? This is perfect for a hip hop producer. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then we go to the next uh, track with James House and Bad Mistake. He's a country singer now, I think. That's all I could find about him after this. Yeah. But I guess it fits perfectly with the scene because Billy gets Billy tries to like stand, stand up, up for Packard. Car- yeah, and he gets his ass kicked. Yeah, it's like what's it called? His Packard just says you're gonna end up dead like your brother. That set Billy up. Like come turn around and face me. But then like Packard, he's bigger than him, and Billy's look like oh, I think I made a mistake. Yes, you did. Yes, reminds me of that scene in The Sopranos when um the uh, JT the screenwriter yeah he's like sitting in there with all the like teaching the screenwriting class, uh-huh. and then Chris and his crew walk in and like beat him up. And he's like you guys sat here and did nothing because <laughs> <laughs> he does say that in the film too billy's like you bastard chicken shits yeah let him take her yeah <laughs> after he gets and he, and i feel like he was mad that they didn't help him either you know yeah they didn't help him at all nah i'm like oh, packard has a whole town in fear but it's like he only has like he only has a knife on him he doesn't have a gun or nothing on him yeah i mean like and he can't fight all of you yeah so i, I don't know man but it was uh, it was kind of a crazy scene, and then uh, of course, then you have the race with uh, the final race, yeah, where Packard he puts a helmet on, like you want a race, I'll show you a race, and like, dude, all your people got killed by this motherfucker, and you you have a death wish, <laughs> and his last words to carry. We'll talk about this later. No, you won't. <laughs> she, I'm like, no, you won't. Even if you make it out alive, she's not gonna fuck with you no more. She stood up to you. Yeah, and then he, ironically, he's uh, he's the late one, right? Yeah, he's the late. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, this movie was cool. Loved it. Loved the car races. Um, definitely a cult classic. And, uh, you know, it's a um, great soundtrack, too. Definitely a great soundtrack. I love the movie. It's a cult classic movie. I will I will always watch this movie. Even when, even when, it, even when I got it on, when I have it on Blu-ray, if it's coming on Showtime or somewhere, I'll still stop what I'm doing and watch it. Just like Casino. Yeah, yeah, Casino. I mean, you can't. You can't Although keep... Casino's longer and a lot more layered, but. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's so entertaining. It is, as is The Wraith. 
we, you know, and I'm thinking for the next episode we do, maybe, or maybe, you know, down the road, we should do Miami Vice, man. We, we should either do the, the show or, or even or, the or movie. A season, or even a season. Yeah, or even a season. Because yeah, there's, exactly. there's a lot of songs going on in just one season alone. Like I, when I watched season one, well, the time we first met, I actually bought season one on DVD from FYE. Okay. And like, I was amazed at all the songs they were able to get the licensing for. Like the Phil Collins, a few Phil Collins songs, Farner. Uh, what's it called? Animals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and there's so much music. It's almost like a uh, music video. It's almost like the Sopranos. Remember we were trying to cover that and we had yeah. to actually like not include some of the stuff that we wanted to talk about. We had just too many songs in there. That and casino as well too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's like Martin Scorsese just like put so much music in there. I tell you, we'd have better luck with the wire probably. I mean, music was not a big factor in that TV show, although they did make use of songs. Yeah. But like most prominently, like in the intro and at the ending montage of each season. Yeah, yeah. They they there was it seemed like different different singers would actually uh, sing that song for each season, right? At the opening of each season, yeah. Yeah, and then there's other ones like the Pogues that they included. Oh like, yeah, you know McNulty, McNulty, and the Irish wakes that they would have, and yeah. like they even included a few underground rap songs in season one, like uh, "Unfriendly Game" by Master Ace and uh, what's it called "CK One" by Cage. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking maybe we could do the movie too, Miami Vice the movie, because um, that's a really good soundtrack as well. It does. It does have a good soundtrack. It has like, um, I know it has like a cover of uh, Phil Collins in the air tonight by like Nonpoint. You cannot cover that song. You cannot. <laughs> People always get mad. I actually think it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, some songs you can cover. I mean, like when Disturbed cover covered Land of Confusion or by by Genesis or Shout by Tears for Fears. I'm like y'all did y'all did all right. Yeah, yeah. But well, hey man, thanks for doing this. Uh, this is this is great, kind of getting back together again. And oh, it um, has. Thanks for dealing, uh, you know, with my uh, Patriots trolling. <laughs> oh no problem, no problem, no problem. I expect to get a lot more trolls from people because of Bob Kraft's uh, alleged solicitations. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll do another one soon. Oh, we will, no doubt. All right, man. Take all care. Right, you too. podcast is available on my YouTube channel, Rotunes Reviews. It's also available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other major podcast distributors as well. So if you don't mind, please leave me some feedback. I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Rotunes Revs. I'm on Instagram, and I'm also on the Untapped app. My username is Brutuned. This is Andrew signing off. Cheers. <laughs>